Hello everybody and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com and the Fantasy Football by Brodo app, the only tool you need to dominate fantasy football. What up, what up, what up, what up? We are back as per usual on this beautiful evening doing some Dynasty stuff with the Dynasty Dawn. Today I got Mad Jester with me at FF Mad Jester. Of course, you'll find him on Twitter and all social medias being a great all-around guy and a beautiful Dynasty mind. How you doing tonight, Maddie? I'm good. How are you, Maddie Matt? I'm doing good. Yeah, the the two Matts coming at you with all the hotness today. Doing good, man. Doing good. Um, It's the off-season. And we're, we're getting into the thick of it. We're 24 days away from the NFL draft, maybe 23 days when this episode drops. It's getting really close. And Dynasty startups are kicking off hot as they do with a lot of, you know, rookie placeholders and kickers perhaps in the drafts or the rookies themselves now that Sleeper has updated those names and ADPs. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. It's Dynasty startup season. So I felt it pertinent as we're getting into these rookie profiles and doing these episodes of the Dynasty Dawn to break down a bit of where these players are landing, not just their profiles, but where they're currently being valued at ADP and kind of the best and worst spots for each selection through the first 10 rounds of a super flex tight end premium startup. So we're going to go through the first 10 rounds, 12 teams. 10 starting positions. Um, I just set the lineup so it would be two running backs, two wide receivers, three flex, a super flex, and a quarterback. Um, maybe a, not really any too deep. We'll, we'll get into some sleepers as well, some guys that are like perennially undervalued past round 10, but mostly going to be looking at the best and worst picks of each spot and some arbitration values that you can get throughout, the, throughout your startup drafts. I want to remind people too that what I'm about to show you isn't actually a startup draft. There's no strategy to these selections. This is simply sleepers ADP played out through a snake draft format, aka Mahomes is the one one overall in ADP, Josh Allen one two overall, Justin Jefferson one three, so on and so forth. So without further ado, let's get it right into it, man. Let's start breaking down some of these ADPs, some of these best and worst picks of the first 10 rounds. In round one, the current ADP plays out as Patrick Mahomes, 1-1, then Josh Allen, Justin Jefferson at 1-3, Joe Burrow, 1-4, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts are 1-5 and 1-6. Then you have the other wide receiver going in the top eight in Jamar Chase, Lamar Jackson at 1-8 with a bit of an discount there with his unknown future with Baltimore. Justin Fields with a surprising skyrocket and leveling out of ADP at 1-9. Trevor Lawrence right after him at 1-10. CeeDee Lamb at 1-11. And the man, the myth, the rookie legend himself, Bijan Robinson at 1-12. That is the current first round ADP of sleepers super flex tight end premium startup draft i think right away what stands out is rb1 overall not even being in the nfl yet technically um obviously he's declared but hasn't been drafted so that's a big standout any standouts for you in the first round matt no that's really exciting though and i've done a bunch of mock drafts and i've done some drafts with people so far uh some rookie inclusive dynasty startups and Bijan has never made it past maybe the 14th pick. So yeah, it's really fun to play around with that. Yeah. And I mean, for best and worst pick, I, I think, I think there's a lot of risk involved where obviously he's not played a snap. There's an absolute volatility to that position. Like no other position in fantasy, the running back spot, like Jonathan Taylor finishes the RB one overall. And now you see this ADP, we'll get into it, but RB three, right. It doesn't hold the same, um, positional no, and, insulation and even, at quarterback and he's still go and he's going at 202 and honestly even that is still very scary it's still so, high yes yeah, a- sure. absolutely completely agree and and i think even a few weeks ago Brees hall was kind of uh valued a little bit ahead of jonathan taylor but as we get closer to things and, and new news comes out about the knee people are getting a little more wary that he might not be ready for the start of the season so you're starting to see a little bit of him being valued behind that but in the first round i think honestly worst pick to me <laughs> It's pretty like it, it might be Bijan in all honesty, but I think it's pretty obviously CD lamb CD lamb being valued as the dynasty wide receiver three is something that he has been gifted since basically entering the league has certainly never met that production. Um, he kind of swaps spots with AJ Brown every once in a while, depending on what market consensus evaluators you use, but he's been insulated as the wide receiver three 
for almost three seasons. Highest finish last season as wide receiver seven, but he was also wide receiver seven in target share and wide receiver nine in, in targets per route run. I don't think CD's ever going to give you top three production. And the art of arbitration to be able to get AJ Brown or, or draft AJ Brown four picks later and, and say you go with Bijan instead of CD Lamb, who I think you would easily be able to make the one-one trade for that if you know you were interested. I think there's something to be said there about that art, art of arbitration. AJ Brown's going to produce similar numbers, have similar career longevity. The same could be said for Jalen Waddle. The same could be said for Amon Ra a whole full round later. So it's very interesting, I think, to see CD Lamb, especially in super flex leagues, without having your first spot allotted to a quarterback and kind of entering that second round on a short turn without knowing um, who your starting QB one is going to be. And we'll get into those values soon as well. CD lamb's the most risky pick here. Okay. Um, so I've, I've been a little bit excited about CD lamb and AJ Brown, right where they are at the two, at the one, two turn uh, this off season, because Either one of them could go there. I'm okay with it. And I understand wanting to arbitrage your way down to Jalen Waddle if you can add some stuff. Uh, yep. But it, let's let's just if you don't want to take any of these running backs in that area, then let's just pretend that it's quarterbacks and wide receivers, which is how I like to start start up drafts anyway. Uh, if you want to take CD Lamb or AJ Brown right there at the 111, I'm okay with it because you know that you're going to get whichever quarterback you want on the way back. So I'm okay with it only because you you can you can kind of do your 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 choice knowing that you're not really hindering your next pick because your pick, next pick is right there. Yeah, I understand that, but I mean, we're going to hop into that second round real quick obviously, but I think the quarterback downgrade except for one specific name is significantly different than the top assets that you can get in the first. Now, obviously lamb at the back end of that first round, there isn't much wiggle room. Like you're going to see quarterbacks go really early, but I think I would rather be John or Christian McCaffrey. If I'm going for a win now, because that's kind of what CD lamb is. I mean, again, that value insulation has been there, but I could see Garrett Wilson surpassing him. I could see Jackson Smith and Jigba surpassing him in his career range of outcomes. I could see Chris Olave doing the same because their production is going to be similar and they already have the youth on their side. CD is just as a 111 doesn't sit right with me. I like him more on the turn. And, and that's kind of where I would maybe even reach on one of these quarterbacks that were going up and let somebody maybe take the risk on CD at 112 to one, but 111, that was the worst pick for me. Um, I think the best pick of the first round is Lamar Jackson. If you're getting Lamar at one eight, uh, sm smash that all day, whether he's on the Ravens or not truly elite quarterbacks with number one overall in their positional range of outcomes should not be this cheap in super flex drafts. And I know it's still the first round, but one eight is still far too cheap. Lamar QB one, QB eight, QB seven, QB six continuously in the top 12 wow. in true throw value, despite being labeled as a poor passer. And that's points per game too, by the way, like he's it's as elite as it comes. And obviously the youngest MVP in NFL history, like, there is still improvement to be made as a passer as far as, you know, people are concerned or the, the consensus is concerned, but that's not what the analytics say. He's been one of the best pure passers in the NFL with that rushing upside attached. It's just that the volume of pass attempts is very low. And that's why I really think if every single analyst should take a modern analytics course, like understand why you're talking about the stats that you're talking about and why you think he's a bad passer. Not just that it's like, Oh, he only has this many yards and this many touchdowns. by the way, the year that he led the league in rushing yards for quarterbacks and won the MVP also led the league in passing touchdowns. So like, I, I don't understand why. And, and accuracy, right? Wasn't he up there in accuracy yeah, that year absolutely. too? Oh, he always has been. Lamar's only That's, ever had one yeah. season below 64% and that was his rookie year. So like, we say, you know, he's never, he's never really shined through. He's never, but really, He's never really had a crew that's taken him there either. So, Product of the uh, system too. Or he would be nice. I think so, so yeah, as well. And I, I think I, agree with I think investing him in, in him at one eight is absolutely phenomenal, especially when guys like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, um, Jalen Hurts, obviously a little undervalued here. I think even at one six, Trevor Lawrence right after. But those guys in that tier do not possess QB one overall in their range of outcomes. They simply don't. It would li quite literally need to be a six thousand yard, fifty passing touchdown season with the way that points are scored in fantasy and how many guys you see with rushing upside top out in the top ten with minimal passing stats. It, that's why it's called the Konami Code. Um, I think Lamar clearly a value at 1.8 and CD Lamb a bit of a risk at 111, but I understand wanting to invest in that. Going into the second round, it's McCaffrey at 2 1, 
Jonathan Taylor, 2-2. A.J. Brown at 2-3. Brees Hall at 2-4, despite a little bit of concern with the knee injury. Jalen Waddle 2-5. And then you see the first rookie quarterback off the board and the second rookie overall and C.J. Stroud at 2-6. Kyler Murray, 2-7. Kenneth Walker, 2-8. Bryce Young at 2-9, Dak Prescott 210, who was usually going at the routinely going at the 112 and 21 turn um earlier immediately after the offseason. I, I think yeah, I know my value in this round. Dak. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we already paused on it. Amon Ross St. Brown at 211 and rounding it out with the veteran Tyreek Hill at 212 as the wide receiver five overall. We've already seen five wide receivers go off the board and five running backs pretty even split there um yeah i'm i mean it's obvious man dak prescott at 210 is a phenomenal value i think in superflex leagues getting to be able to start imagine if this was your start where justin jefferson at one three and dak prescott at 210 yeah i mean you're just that that's absolutely unfair to be able to get a perennial top eight qb in points per game in superflex leagues at the 210 i think that's absolutely phenomenal value but i have to shout out to the guy that has an even higher ceiling and even higher range of outcomes and an even higher floor than prescott has and that's kyler murray i understand there's a bit of an injury discount there i think he's one of the best picks in the second round for the simple ceiling of upside i mean qb11 as a rookie then qb3 then qb4 and then qb7 he's only had one season that was his rookie year where he finishes qb11 overall below 20 points per game it's the there's a ridiculous assumption that kyler is not an elite fantasy asset in a tier above all arbitrary players in this tier it is ludicrous it's ludicrous and it's asinine and anyone that thinks otherwise needs to do some serious serious inward reflection on how they evaluate quarterbacks i understand the injury is giving an obvious discount here but he's his floor is top five qb when healthy his ceiling is qb1 overall his floor his floor is top five that's qb when healthy Bonkers. He's never been anything else except You're for right. a rookie. like, yeah, it's so in his rookie season, like still QB 11, 18.9 points per game. It's like, uh, yeah, I, Kyler Murray at two, seven, especially part of the reason of the, the arbitrary value that I mentioned is CJ Stroud ahead of Kyler Murray. Like I would trade one, two, one, three, one, four, wherever you're valuing that QB tier of CJ Stroud for Kyler Murray all day. I would one do that for one. Yeah, I would do it all day. Yeah, me too, for sure. Quite literally. We'll, we'll, one, two, one, three, and we'll, we'll talk about, because Bryce Young, just slightly after at 2-9, that would be the 1-3 pick. I would make that trade for Kyler Murray all day. I think Kenneth Walker is a bit overvalued here, especially with a big gap of youth um, in the running back tiers that we're about to see. And Brees Hall, Jonathan Taylor, McCaffrey kind of being valued in that same tier with just Waddle, Stroud, and Murray separating that, that tier of running backs. I think Walker a little bit overvalued, but there's not really a bad pick in the second round, in my opinion. Like I, I like all of the values here. I don't like the value of Walker when uh, Prescott's right there. That's I what like I mean. So it's, it's the arbitration the issue. This is the big art of arbitrary round. The volatility at the running back position. Like I would obviously take Bryce Young over Kenneth Walker as well. Speaking of trading the one two out, like I, Ooh, I nice. would trade Kenneth Walker for one two. I, I would I would rather the QB insulation because we're assuming that Bryce Young gets top 10 capital um that is 100% almost guaranteed now there's no Vegas lines that are, that are going to pay out any um fat or any logical amount there's the word I was looking for any logical amount that says otherwise <laughs> so he's a top 10 pick and we've talked about it on the Brodo pods and some of the previous dynasty pods a quarterback with top 10 draft capital in the NFL has guaranteed value insulation for their first year, regardless of production. You look at the, the closest class, I guess, is the 2021 class with Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, um, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Every single one of those quarterbacks, Mac Jones and Zach Wilson included, maintained linear value throughout their rookie season. Every single one of them. If you traded, and the only one that saw an even significant dip into year two was Zach Wilson. And you could still accrue about 75% of value um, in in season. So Sure, halfway through. Sure. Yeah. 
So the the just the simple insulation of Bryce Young, whether or not I want his production for a future range of outcomes on my team, that simple insulation makes him more valuable and arbitrary than Kenneth Walker. So I think Kenneth Walker is the worst pick of those rounds. So so Bryce Young, I think at his worst, you would get two mid to late uh, firsts at any time. And anytime you can uh, invest a second round startup pick in two future firsts that you know you'll get back, that's that's fine with me. Absolutely. That's enough insulation, especially looking at everybody after him. Uh, you never know which way it's going to go. Uh, I brought, I brought the screen back for a year. second, but I'm, I'm taking it away again <laughs> because we're going right into the third round now. Deshaun Watson pops off at 3-1 in Sleeper's Superflex ADP. Austin Eckler at 3-2. Travis Kelsey, the first tight end off the board in Dynasty at 3-3. Wow. And this is tight end premium. That's settings, his age, too. Yeah, <laughs> which is fair value, in my opinion, at 3-3. Then the all-rookie upside shot of a QB1 range of outcomes in Anthony Richardson at 3-4. Saquon Barkley, 3-5. Stefan Diggs, 3-6. Then you see sophomore Garrett Wilson at 3-7 as the wide receiver 8 off the board. Um, T. Higgins immediately after him. 3-8. Travis Etienne, 3-9, who I like and I will talk about for this round. Kyle Pitts, the cheapest you have ever seen his ADP in Superflex tight end premium leagues at 3-10. Cooper Cup, 3-11. Again, probably the cheapest you've seen his ADP in the last two seasons. And Josh Jacobs, the RB3 overall in points per game, rounding out the 3-12 spot. In this third round, I really like the young wide receiver value, obviously, Garrett Wilson. I think he's a little overpriced. You're, you're buying into everything with Wilson and why I think he's overpriced is because there's arbitrage about an entire half round later and almost a full round later in Chris Olave and Jackson Smith and Jigba. As far as value insulation is concerned, JSN already has top 12 dynasty wide receiver value on um, market consensus calculators like keep trade cut. And that is a little risky because if you look at Jamar Chase and I mean, Justin Jefferson was obviously undervalued coming into his rookie season, but Jamar Chase specifically, who was the greatest wide receiver prospect that anybody had ever seen, um, his super flex value coming in was around wide receiver 10, wide receiver 12 as well. And you're seeing the same evaluation for Jackson Smith and Jigba, who isn't nearly that level of prospect, but a phenomenal prospect nonetheless. So that gets a little risky with JSN, but we're not quite in that round. My favorite value in this round, I think, is Kyle Pitts. And uh, you I'm, know what? Oh my God. I was going to be disgusted. I thought you were going to be disgusted with me when I said that to you. No. But and we're talking through a tight end premium flex lens. People always need to remember that. And I mean, you should plant your flag on Kyle. Pitts. And again, this is the cheapest you'll ever be able can, to. Can I tell you along the third row, there's not a single person that I want to plant my flag on and say, this is my person in dynasty. I don't want to take a single third round pick this uh, upcoming startup season. I think that's going to be a strategy. Trade that third away. Trade it, trade it up or trade it down. I don't and care which one. Every single player in this third round should almost in, insulate with a what a early 2024 first. I would say so. Yes. You could, um, like you were saying with the young receiver earlier, how it's a little bit, you know, I've seen Garrett Wilson go in the second. Uh, I, But I don't know that he's that much better than Devontae Smith or Drake London a full round plus later. There's just, you got to arbitrage the third round. I don't like it at all. I agree 100%. That was in my, majorly in my notes for this round. This oh, is the round of our. I didn't read them, so I promise I'm not stealing them. <laughs> awesome. I, well, I appreciate it. You're setting me up, man. You're the transition master. Yeah, this this is the round of arbitrage. Like, I would trade Garrett Wilson for Chris Olave plus a second in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't hesitate whatsoever. Literally wouldn't think twice about it. And I think you could get more than a second, but that's the type of arbitrage that I'm talking about. I would also do that for JSN. I would also probably do that for a bit of a higher pick, but for Devontae Smith or Drank London as well. Like, absolutely. So would. I, I had a trade that I sent out last night. And, and the I same for T. Higgins. And the same for Stefan Diggs. And the same for All Cooper Cup. And All I would do them. it with Travis Kelsey and Kyle Pitts. And like, yeah. Don't don't be in the third round. Don't catch yourself dead in the third round is what, is what we're Agreed. kind of fessing up to. Um, I, I did try to move off of Garrett Wilson in one spot last night. I sent Garrett Wilson in my 24 first for Justin Jefferson, and it didn't get done, which, you know, depends on who you're, you're sending it to. One three here. I mean, that that does kind of meet Marcus consensus. When you're seeing Justin Jefferson being valued essentially back to back as Josh Allen, who would and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, who are the only players that should, you know, receive three firsts 
on the super flex market and trades. Like that's nobody wants to let go of Jefferson Jefferson. I think he's a little bit overvalued if I'm being completely honest. Um, I think that there might be a Justin Jefferson, Jamar chase flip flop over the next year, but we're not going to talk about that today because we got a lot to get through. We do. We do. And I, yeah, the third round is the round of arbitrage. We said, I think best pick Kyle pitch just for the simple value insulation. Um, he did have a thousand yard rookie season. I am almost positive that Kyle Pitts at one point in time is going to have the most influential and impactful fantasy tight end season ever. <laughs> I'm almost positive. And I don't know when that is going to happen. I will fully admit I have no fucking idea when that's going to happen. So with that it was, said, you know what? It was Kelsey this year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I, I do think that Kyle Pitts has that in his range of outcomes. So I'm willing to invest. I'm willing to take the risk. I'm willing to accrue the risk. Uh, again, as cheap as you're ever going to get him. I think yeah, Josh Jacobs out of these, out of is these a little bit of a row, rough pick here. Yeah. Out of these 12, there's one that's not like the other. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and just for honorable mention, before we get into round four, Travis Etienne, uh, I think if you're playing hero RB startup strategy and, and, in kind of in a win now mode etn in the third as your rb1 i'm i'm fully into it man there's only been one other running back to have fewer than 50 percent of the team's rushing attempts and still put up 12 points per game that running back was jamal charles oh so, good company <laughs> people should maddie probably, matt with the steady stats probably should adjust a bit on etn i think on the market um i i think this is fair value i'm not saying adjust him up a bunch but i i just think that his range of outcomes isn't quite understood because of that rookie season that we missed out on. People really should be looking at him as he put up 12 points per game in his rookie year with less than 50% of the rushing attempts. Completely agree. Yeah. Completely agree. So uh, that, that puts him in a, well, a very small, but uh, grouping, but very elite grouping <laughs> of, you know, one of the greatest fantasy running backs of all time. Why take Heading Ken into the Walker at two, eight, when you can take Travis Etienne at three, nine, yeah, at three, 100% my point of that second round too. And going into the fourth, you're going to see tight end three taken in the super flex tight end premium draft with Mark Andrews at four, one Chris Olave at four, two DK Metcalf four, three, and then rookie wide receiver one Jackson Smith and Jigba. The only rookie that really separates the quarterback and Bijan Robinson tier. He is by far, I mean, he's full two rounds ahead of the next rookie man. Oh <laughs> so my God, I'm so excited. So Jackson Smith and Jigba is very much in a tier of his own as far as rookie assets are considered because the tiers go Bijan Robinson, the three quarterbacks, no need to name them, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and then everybody else in the first round. I mm -hmm. feel a certain way about Jameer Gibbs, which we will talk about, but, and then after JSN, we have Tua kind of separating the quarterback tiers. I feel like Tua being in, pushed into the fourth here with the other tier of quarterbacks that happens after him is kind of people assuming, you know, this is that, that range of ADP arbitrage where Tua is still being projected as a QB one career outcomes, which I'm, I'm fine with that. I think fourth round Tua is actually pretty good value. Can I, Devontae can, Adams, I point, can I point something yeah, out sure. real quick about the quarterbacks um, between three Oh one and, and six eleven, the only yep. quarterback that's played in the NFL is Tua. is Tua between three Oh one and six eleven. That is that's, correct. That's wild, man. I mean, yes, Trey Lance has seen snaps, but I get your uh, we, yeah, yeah. absolutely uh, debatable. And, and I, I, I miss crazy. I, I did miss uh, misspeak a bit because I, I meant to say he's Jackson Smith and Jigba's two rounds between the next wide receiver because we do have Jameer Gibbs after Devonte Adams at four six, Jameer Gibbs four seven, Najee Harris four eight. I hate that. I'll talk about it. <laughs> Devonte Smith four nine, Drake London four ten, smash picks. T.J. Hawkinson four eleven, and then another worrisome one which we'll get into. Javante Williams at four twelve. Let's start this off right away with. The quickest one and what I actually think is the best pick, Mark Andrews 4-1. There's nowhere else in this draft that you're going to be able to find a tight end with a near 30% career target share and the production that matches it. The fear of Jackson leaving the Ravens obviously is affecting this ADP, but it does very little to sway me from smashing Andrews in startup drafts. And the only way the Ravens even agree to that trade, like the only way Lamar actually doesn't play for them if he is if he sits out the entire season or if they trade him. And if they do trade him, they're at the very least going to get an active quarterback that can supplement some wins or the draft capital to take either Richardson, Stroud, or Young. And either way, 
Andrews is as elite as it gets the tight end in the position, still only 27 years old. And their target uh, tree is going to be very, very, very tight. And it's basically going to be Andrews and 50% other. But uh, also, you, you worry about uh, Lamar Jackson leaving, but Mark Andrews really ate when uh, whoever the backup was. Big facts. Tyler Huntley. So, so Tyler Huntley was playing, and they, he just... Tyler Huntley made a Pro Bowl. Well, you know why? Undeservedly, but yeah, he made one. Because he was passing to Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews' numbers with Tyler Huntley were like 50% better than they were with Lamar Jackson. And I don't want to read into that right now, but it's his value is not tied to the quarterback that's about to leave. So if you're getting a discount on it because of that, then take the discount. You're getting a round and a half discount at the four, one to the two, six, take it. That's that is crazy yeah, value. I you completely agree it. with that. That's not what yeah. I was going to get into, but no, exactly. And, and Olave, an incredible, an incredible arbitrage pick to trade back for and, and collect some value here. <laughs> Olave ahead of JSN doesn't bother me at all. Most he had, a thousand yards in his rookie season. There's only been eight wide receivers with a thousand yards in their rookie season. Every single, well, I mean, I guess seven because Garrett Wilson is the eighth, but only eight ever in the history of the NFL with a thousand yards in their rookie season. Every single one of them has had multiple wide receiver one seasons. Damn. Yeah. So, so you know Chris Olave like- is absolutely undervalued here, especially when you're seeing like Chris Olave over T Higgins, Chris Olave equal to Stefan Diggs. Um like, so that's how so you should value. What, what I'm figuring out is that there are 10 reaches in the third round and there are eight values in the fourth yep. round. And yep. that's so much fun. And and just to like remind everyone too, this is this isn't like what you're looking at. This is not mock draft ADP. This is sleepers order of ADP, just selected in a snake draft format. So this is exactly where sleepers average draft position has these players. If you were to start a super flex tight end premium draft right now, and I think Olave excellent. So many great values. Jameer Gibbs is one. I'll get into the worst pick. It's Najee Harris. Najee Harris is by far the worst. Look at everybody around him speaking of third round one of these things is not like the other with kyle pitts's range of outcomes Najee harris is a soon-to-be 26 year old ineffective plotter on a bottom <laughs> don't say soon to be 26 because he turned 25 about two weeks ago yeah but i mean well then he'll i, you know, I hear what you're saying soon to be saying. 20. well Dumpster we'll just say he's we'll man, just say like, he's say he's cl- if you want to be like exorbitant say he's closer to 30 than 20 but which is a fact. <laughs> yes, it is. So, so we'll go with yeah. that. And, and he's got a, I know it's only been two seasons of a sample size, but his opportunity share certainly regressed negatively. He has proven he needs astronomical value to maintain top end production. His insulated value is non-existent. It could easily be surpassed by a wide array of rookie or sophomore talents below him, regardless of his production or those rookie productions. Like that's just how volatile the running back. If Najee Harris doesn't put up a top five season this year, you'll never be able to return the value of this startup pick. I'm going to push back on you with Najee Harris. Now I'm going to come from the stance that the few startups that I've done, he's gone in the sixth round. So sleeper ADP isn't quite as um, sharp as maybe the people you're playing with. I, I, I completely agree with that. that. One of the things that I definitely should have mentioned a bit earlier is you are going to see running backs faded a lot more than this after that Bijan pick. Yeah, Immediately a, after Bijan it, goes a off the board. It's a pendulum. Yes. And you're going to see and uh, compared the, to last the market year, you're going to see a lot more green down zero below. RB. Yep. For 100%, sure. man. You're going to see a lot of Dalvin Cooks going in the 10th, a lot of Joe Mixon going in the 10th. Some crazy, crazy things you wouldn't expect. Um, It's a it's a... It's the Wild West out here, running back-wise. And it's understandable because of the depth of the incoming class, too. One hundred, And next year's class is supposedly, you know, very impressive as well. I I won't get too far into that, but Uh we'll get a few honorable mentions in here for... I think Jameer Gibbs is an excellent pick. He has a career collegiate target share of 13.1%, which is absolutely elite from the running back position for NCAA. Generated 118.2 QB rating when targeted, which is phenomenally ridiculous as well 103 career receptions for 1212 yards eight receiving touchdowns 84 percent catch rating catches everything away from his body ran 10.8 percent of his slots or routes from the slot and 15.1 percent of his career routes out wide as a receiver what 25 percent of jameer gibbs routes have come <laughs> as a receiver oh my god 
which That's obviously incredible. leads all eligible running backs in both categories for this draft. He averaged 1.6 yards per route run, which is higher than some of the wide receivers you guys are getting enamored with. He forced 104 missed tackles, boasts 115.7 elusive rusher rating from PFF, created 1,292 yards after contact with 3.6 <laughs> yards after contact on rush attempts and 4.17 yards after contact per touch. For my money, Jameer Gibbs is the only running back prospect in the 2023 class that has a legitimate career range of outcomes that could challenge B. John Robinson as the RB1 overall in both production Jesus. and values. Did and then worst pick plus yards, yards after, after contact per touch. Yeah. 4.17. Oh my God. So better after contact as a receiver than a rusher, but wow, I don't care. <laughs> I don't Look, care. If, um, if, if I get a if I get a slot receiver out of my running back, that's the biggest victory I could ever. It's imagine. the funniest joke that it's you know these pass catching like change of pace running backs. Oh, they're going to see snaps from the slot. They're going to see snaps at wide receiver. Jameer Gibbs legitimately does at a high rate, like a, a ridiculous rate for somebody that plays the running back position. Twenty five percent of your career routes coming not in the backfield is ridiculously elite. Twenty five. When you're talking about pass catching upside for a running back. Um, entering the NFL. Here's what surprised me. It's 15% out wide and 10% in the slot. He's more often out wide. Yeah. Is he the, is he the big bodied receiver that we want Jackson Smith and Jigba to be? Well, big body might not be the right thing. Cause he's five ten and 199, but he's Jamal Charles. He, he's they're Jamal both Charles. just tiny little matrix dudes. Um, yeah, a hundred percent. I love Jameer Gibbs. They're both co- in this Konami code. Um, and then last one, fourth round's taken us a while, but it's an important round because of how many incredible values are being pushed down from some weird evaluations of the third and second. Javante Williams at 412, though, no. Not for my money, not here, probably not at all. I, I'm probably going to be off Javante, and, and I was very in on him, so I'm taking some hits on some investments, obviously, but I think it's really simple. How you viewed J.K. Dobbins after his knee tear you should times that by two, and then that's how you should view Javante Williams. Because J.K. Dobbins tore his knee a month before in the timeline than Javante did. So that's an extra month. Like, J.K. didn't start being valuable whatsoever in fantasy until, like, week 12, and then it was, you know, RB2 finishes. So we're talking an entire season away from the NFL of production for Javante Williams, someone who has already not had more than 50% of the opportunity share of any team since he's left high school. You're talking about a guy with very minimal repetitions in who is now going to be entering his third to fourth season, depending on how you feel about that knee injury. I'm thinking more about the fourth season on a team that, we don't really know how they're going to look. Hopefully a little bit better, but still. And he's a way worse prospect than Dobbins ever was. Like, Javante is... So, Matt, you were also, you're also you also a Saints fan, and you got to think about it from yeah. a, a Sean Payton Absolutely. team perspective. You want to go on that? I mean, yeah, Sean Payton's going to want Sean Payton's going to want more than he has right now to start off the season. And we know that Javante Williams is not going to start off uh, as he should for the first four to six to 10 weeks or something like that. So yeah, it's a little bit worrisome on the competition front. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think Samaji P Ryan's contract, although very lucrative for the Broncos as, as it was a cheap one is also kind of telling because it wasn't a single year. It wasn't a prove it deal. They signed him to two years guaranteed, fully guaranteed. Wait, what? So what's his contract? Samaji P Ryan. It's funny it's that like, we're, we're like, it's like we're, seven and a half million, but it, it's it's we're already burning up time and we're like years. halfway through an hour episode only in ah. round four and we got it through 10 we're like no 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 no. but we're let's good. spend some time on Smashy <laughs> p ryan that's really important right now but honestly it is because it's gonna affect no nah, but i i do agree i do agree um it's it's bad news for javante i mean 412 people are gonna be like who cares it's it's but it's rb12 value like it's rb1 value and i'm not about that with javante um Let's hop into the fifth. Let's hop into yeah, the fifth. Ahead. This, this one's a little easier really to dissect, compare it to what's opinion. coming after. Exactly. <laughs> um, DeAndre Swift goes 5-1. Nick Chubb, 5-2 at ADP. Trey Lance, 5-3. Ramondre Stevenson, 5-4. 
Debo Samuel, 5'5", Derrick Henry, 5'6", Christian Watson, 5'7", Tony Pollard, the Cowboys' new RB1 after they cut Ezekiel Elliott, is 5'8", valued ahead of Joe Mixon at 5'9", Michael Pittman at 5'10", George Kittle at 5'11", even though it's tight end premium, I find that to be an interesting value. And... Um, yeah, <laughs> I was going to say Jamal Williams. <laughs> I was like, wait, why is Jamal Williams? Because the Lions jersey threw me off. Why is Jamal Williams this high in ADP? No, I mean, I could ask the same question. Why is Jamison Williams this high in ADP? Um, and let's it's get into it. Let's get into the fifth round. Year. Yeah, it's the 2.5 points per game that he put up. Um, Matt, I don't want a single pick in this round either. I'm going to I'm going to get out of the third and the fifth of startups. I don't want any part. I, I do think that there's an obvious boom value here. I, I hope you're not going to one... say Kittle, are you? No, no. I I think Kittle's a tight end premium kind of dead man zone. But I I do like I do like the if you haven't had a tight if you don't have a tight end yet, five eleven Kittle. I don't hate it. But then you're talking about two full rounds before the next tight end, and I like Goddard and Fryermouth a lot. <laughs> so I, like I don't that know a lot man. too. Exactly. So, so that's a tough let me, one for let me Kittle. Try to guess who you're going for because I don't. Is it going to be obvious? Injured Pollard or 29 year old Henry, or is it going to be awesome Ramondre Stevenson on the uh, weirdest running back room? I, I have no idea who you're going for. Who's your guy? Trey Lance is the only Ooh. person in this entire <laughs> tier that has top 12 positional upside <laughs> if he wins out that starting role. I'm not super into this round at all i would rather go arbitrage in the fifth but trey lance five three when you were talking about that that monumental gap between quarterbacks and, and we'll get into that next year trey lance five three is probably the only one that can actually exceed his value ac- acquisition cost here and like and just a recap just a great just a recap the only quarterbacks that were taken between 301 and 611 that have played any games in the NFL, 301 and 611, the only quarterbacks are Tua and Lance. Yep. So, so yeah, wherever you want to mix them up in there, you're right. That's a good call. Yeah, I, I don't hate that. I, I, I certainly think that he could greatly, but also I think he's one of the riskier picks. We we have to mention that um, sure. because the, the ceiling is absolutely QB1 value. The floor is not in the NFL anymore. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Scary. Um, and I, I think the worst pick is Jamison Williams. I think Jamison Williams is five twelve is kind of ridiculous to be honest. He two point five points per game. Amon Ross St. Brown's targets aren't going anywhere. I really, I'm of the mind, and I think most analytic people are of the mind that targets are earned. Now, where they are earned is where I would greatly have a discussion and debate with you are they earned on the chalkboard before the game ever starts? Are they earned on the field? Are they earned from the coach? Are they earned from the court? That's a conversation we can have, but are I they think earned? that the, yes. I think the conversation you want to have is the order that that happens because I bet right. it's exactly. on the field to the coach to the chalkboard. I bet that's what it is. Right, and <clears throat> Amon Ra earns targets at not just an elite rate, but historically at an elite rate above almost any wide receiver that's played the game. He has the record for most consecutive games with eight targets or more. That is as elite of a target earner as you could possibly imagine. That's I so don't funny. think that Jamison Williams is going to become that. And I'm not trying, I know this is a hot topic name or like a, a name that holds a lot of negative connotation. And I'm not trying to attach any off field, anything to this when I make this comparison, but Jamison Williams took over a very succinct role at Alabama that was left behind by a guy that came into the NFL, got top 20 draft capital was a bona fide speedster that had an incredible Belitnikov finalist season, but obviously didn't, you know, perform at that same level that Jamison Williams does did, but that's Henry Rooks. It, they're, oh. they're the same. They have eerily similar profiles. They're going to get eerily similar draft capitals. They have eerily mitigated and minimal route trees. I think Jamison Williams is a 16 and a half percent max target share earning deep threat. I think, Ooh, he is. damn, that's harsh. I think he is, and because they're deep shots, Mike they're Williams. only going to be—they're going to be a much more—they're uh, going to be a much lower reception rate. I absolutely, and I, I think he's a boomer bust. He can put up wide receiver one finishes weekly. I don't think his value here is in the correct position to. Let's just hop into it. Jordan Addison goes six one. Chris Godwin goes six. No, okay, let, let me stop you real quick. 
I'm going to challenge you on the Jameson Williams because he still has upside, whereas Mixon went three three picks later and Mixon does not. So I'll put Mixon as the worst one. Go ahead. Yeah. I uh, Yeah. The Brodo boys would absolutely love that. Mixon is the worst pick. I can see he is it, the worst but pick. I don't love Jan- I A lot of these worst picks that I'm making, I, for the viewers to know, it, these are arbitrage selections because, again, this is laid out as sleepers ADP. So these are arbitrage selections. When players are averagely valued ahead of, I would rather go a different way. I would never draft Jamison Williams over Jordan Addison. So Quentin Johnson's supposed to go 108. I don't know what it is in this draft where, he, where he's compared to the rest of the rookies, but uh, if you want to re-roll a round later and pick up a second, uh, then trade 512 Quentin Johnson for 6-9, or tw- trade Jameis Williams 512 for Quentin Johnson 6-9 plus a second. That's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and, and DJ Morgan's a, a, a go-ahead. Very, yeah, we'll, we'll get to him. Let me get through the round. Okay, sorry, <laughs> and sorry. this is where we were talking about that uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba being in the 4-4 and the next wide receiver, not uh, rookie wide receiver, not being drafted as 6-1. That is a monumental tier. I love Jordan Addison. Belitnikoff winner. I mean, you know, let's get into it. I, I've broken down Jordan Addison again, but uh, people are sleeping. People are falling asleep at the wheel. First team all ACC as in 2021. Consensus All-American 2021. Won the Bolitnikoff Award in 2021. Won the ACC Championship with Kenny Pickett at the helm. He's the reason that Kenny Pickett went from an undrafted free agent that spent six years in college to a first-round pick. He, the only reason why. It's certainly not the prospect profile that Kenny Pickett put together. Jordan Addison averaged, and people are upset about the regression moving from Heisman, you know, from Kenny Pickett to a Heisman award-winning Caleb Williams. But Jordan Addison also averaged 2.7 yards per route run in 2022. That's 11th amongst 136 draft-eligible wide receivers that are going to enter this draft class in 2023. He generated a seventh-ranked 139.0 passer rating when targeted from Caleb Williams. He also played 100. 1,102 snaps in the slot, 757 out wide. So the idea that he's a slot receiver is ridiculous. He literally has dominated out wide for most of his career. Yeah, what's he his, ran a what's lot. What's his of- size real quick? What's his size? Just a, just a question. 5'10", 180. Oh, Addison? Yeah. Oh, that's Six not bad. Plus. Oh, I really, I thought he was much, I thought he was a tiny little dude. No, man. Oh, that's that's no. okay. Like Sorry. legit, no. I think I think it came in at actually above five ten. I'll look at uh, yeah, six foot one seventy five at the combine. Oh, that's fine. Oh, yeah. okay, it's absolutely fine. Um, Addison's one of the best picks here. We'll go through the round. Chris Godwin six two. Will Levis Levis at six three. I don't like that pick, especially considering the quarterback that goes later in this round. Damian don't worry, Pierce, Matt. You don't need to picks. learn how to say that name properly. Damian Pierce, one of the worst picks in this round as well. Um, honestly, I think Damian Pierce is more likely to get replaced before he ever has an RB1 season in his career. George Pickens at 6'5". Traylon Burks at 6'6". Six, um, six. Jerry Judy, 6'7". Dalvin Cook, 6'8". Quinton Johnson, 6'9". DJ Moore, the Bears' new wide receiver, 1 at 6'10". Kirk Cousins, 6'11". J.K. Dobbins, 6'12". I would draft J.K. Dobbins before Javante Williams. I just want to say that. Um, And I'm not a fan of drafting J.K. Dobbins at all. Kirk Cousins, for my money, is the best value in this round. And I'll break it down real quick. Why? Before we hop into the seventh. Kirk Cousins, sure. He's not exciting. He's boring. Nobody likes him. He's not a fan favorite. But he's been a starter for eight consecutive seasons in the NFL. In those eight seasons, he has one statistical finish outside of the top 12 quarterbacks and only one finish outside of the top 12 quarterbacks in points per game. That's eight seasons of QB1 production. I understand it's a boring pick, but there is no rhyme or reason to be fading a top 12 perennial position producer that is not at all at the end of the legs of his career into the sixth round of a super flex startup draft. Matt, you're speaking Into basically the seventh round. This is my love language. There's no reason. I don't like, yeah, it's not sexy. And maybe it won't get you back what, you know, three firsts on the trade market. But Kirk Cousins is going to finish as a QB one more than one more time before he retires from the NFL. And And you can get him for nothing. Your your super flex is going to be better than. So I think he, I think I I wrote a bunch of articles on him last off season at fighting chance fantasy.com and his, your super flex is going to be better than eight of the teams you're competing against 
their first QB. Yeah. You're going to get a better super flex. You're going to get a better second player in there than almost half of the teams that you're playing against their first QB. It's just such, that's the arbitrage move. It's yeah. cheap. It's so cheap to value. get so many points. Valued at like QB 20 and has never been below QB 12 in points per game, except for his injury season or why since you, he started. He had why do you rough think rookie. we just keep disrespecting this, this uh, QB one? Who is a nerd. He, He's terrible. He's honestly, he's terrible. Like, and I, everything that I see on him on social media makes me want to stay away from him. Yeah. But he's been, he's been a, he's been an overall end of the year QB five, overall end of the year QB six, overall end of the QB end of the year QB six again this last year, and he's just been top twelve for the last like I think six out of eight years. So just pull the trigger. I don't like him either, but God, the points are awesome. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just it. The points are awesome. And the one thing that people forget about and get enamored with when they're trying to build these beautiful, perfect, valuable dynasty rosters is winning games. And Kirk Cousins is going to win you games over your competition. Into the seventh round, Dallas Goddard at 7-1, Terry McLaurin 7-2, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes himself at 7-3, Vanilla Vic, Kenny Pickett, Kenny Pick 6. <laughs> At 7-4, the cringe king, Russell Wilson at 7-5, Jared Goff, 7-6, Patty Fryermouth would be Dynasty tight end one if uh, Kyle Pitts didn't exist, <laughs> Brandon Ayuk, Marquise Brown at 7-9, that's the best pick, I'll Ooh. jump in. Oh, God. Zach I, Charbonnet, 7-10. I like that you Sean didn't White, even read out the rest of the round because you knew that I was going to immediately say after you said 12. I'm going to be like, that's the pick, that's and the pick. DeAndre Hopkins at 7-12. So cap it off. <laughs> Marquise Brown, 7-9. Zach Charbonnet, 7-10. Rashad White, 7-11. DeAndre Hopkins, 7-12. The best pick is Marquise Brown at 7-9. Before being injured, Hollywood was the wide receiver five in points per game behind Diggs, Cup, Hill, Jefferson. So That's here's it. my kickback on that. Okay. <laughs> I've got here's here's my kickback on that. Everybody's I'll kick right back. All right, good, 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 good. So everybody's saying that he it's the time to buy. My problem with it is that I've got him on like half of my teams after buying last season. And I was right, and I'm not gonna go against what what he's you're right, you're right, you're hundred percent right. He is the biggest value in this in this whole thing, but uh in this whole round. I can't I mean, afford has, any more than right 10 now. wide receiver points per game finish in multiple seasons in his career range of outcomes. Okay. Here's a fun stat that I, I always bring up whenever. I what about Kyler Marquise Brown? What about Kyler? What about him? I, I talk. What about Kyler being one of the most elite quarterbacks that the NFL has ever seen? Yeah. What it's about the, it? It's the first <laughs> 10 or 16 games that I'm worried about their game plan being right. Well, and if so, so, so I don't, I don't think that he's not a value right now. I just think that he might be, more of a value between weeks like eight and 16 when people are like, what the hell's going on with Kyler? I disagree. Sudden, I 100% disagree. You don't think that Marquise Brown without DeAndre Hopkins is going to earn a 36% target share with whoever it, the F they bring in at quarterback. It doesn't matter bonkers, who the quarterback is, but bro. it's not going to be his college homie, which is a, a yeah, really but, fun narrative. Okay. Here's, here's something great. There has only ever been one season in Marquise Brown's entire history of playing football. That goes back to high school. Every year at college that he played with CeeDee Lamb and Mark Andrews, there has only been one. He played with DeAndre Hopkins. There's only been one season that he's been healthy in his entire history of football where he hasn't earned more targets than anybody else in the team. Oh, oh. yeah. You can't stop it, dude. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> It's nonsensical, man. Nonsensical. <laughs> God damn I think, it, I'm keep buying. Okay. I think round seven, I think you have a bit of value with D Danny Dimes. I think a bit of undervalue with Kenny Pickett. Like, I'm not interested in Pickett here when I could get Dimes, Wilson, Goff. I'd take all of them over Pickett. I'd trade all of them 1-1 one, one for that. Don't care. Don't like Kenny Pickett. Don't think he's ever going to be anything more than QB 15 at his absolute ceiling. I don't care what weapons they surround him with. He should have never been drafted in the first round. Jordan Addison's the only reason that he was. Daniel Jones finished as a QB 10, rushed for over 750 yards, and which is only behind Hurts and Allen. Um, I think Danny Dimes, Konami Code, as Brian Dayball builds a much better offense around him for years and obviously they've extended him and and gone deep into that contract and think he's maybe not a franchise quarterback but certainly their quarterback of the future um 
I think Danny Dimes is a bit of a value here, but expecting like QB5 upside from Danny Dimes is also a little silly. Luckily, we don't have to pay those prices. This is undervalued here. This little QB tier with Pickett, Wilson, Goff, again, it's Dimes should be ahead of them and Pickett should be at the end of them. Um, and Pickett might even should be behind Derek Carr and Geno Smith. That's coming up in two rounds later. I'm not a fan of Kenny Pickett. I don't care about the youth insulation. Um, but he doesn't cause he didn't hit that market analysis threshold of a top 10 pick. So his first round value insulation is non-existent. Like people are, I, look where he's being valued in this draft. If he doesn't put up a QB one season in a second year, it's, it's gonzo. It's literally like, yeah. yeah. So he has as much insulation as the other three guys that are next to him. Even though he's a rookie, it's Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, Jared Koff. We don't know who's going to have the longest career. We just don't know. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say that uh, this is the seventh round. Goddard, Ayuk, Marquise Brown are all very, very nice picks in the seventh round. So I'd, I'd trade back to make sure that I get two of those guys. Um, And I'd even... Before the NFL draft happens, I know you don't like Charbonnet, Matt, but I'd be okay with putting him in there as a seventh round. Well, an eighth round. Let's see what happens. Sorry. I'm not, I I don't dislike Charbonnet, to be honest. I, I certainly don't dislike him. There's, but there's nothing about Sharbs that, I mean, draft capital could, I guess, change my mind and, and put him in a little bit of a higher tier in, in my analytic process model, whatever you guys want to call it. Um, but Sharbs just, I would rather trade that back end first out in rookie drafts for a future first. I think that's where my cutoff tier is because I also like tank Bigsby. I also like Zay flowers, Josh downs. I also like, and all of these guys obviously valued below. So that's where that gets interesting for me. I think it's just a cutoff tier. I think there's so many rookies that are in that tier that I'd rather pay less for them. Matt, let's do, let's do an episode together together later that uh, has to do with, where we want to group shot our picks in this next upcoming draft, because what you're saying is exactly what I've been doing, focusing all my dynasty teams on. I want them in the first five or between this and this, or between this and this. And I want this many here and this many here, because we don't know where it's going to be, but uh, you know, tank and Charbonnet could be within. It's just a group shooting from a ways right. out right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. There, there's definitely there's definitely some succinct tiers in this draft where you can, or this rookie draft rather, where you can absolutely get some values. Let's break down the last three rounds real quick. We'll kind of do them in a group. Um, we got Alvin Kamara at 8-1, Calvin Ridley 8-2, Christian Kirk 8-3, Cam Akers 8-4, Aaron Jones 8-5, Amari Cooper at 8-6, Jahan Dotson behind him at 8-7, Deontay Johnson at 8-8, Dalton Schultz, the Houston Texans, new tight end one at 8-9. Miles Sanders, the Carolina Panthers, new RB1 at 8-10. Zay Flowers, the rookie wide receiver from Boston College, coming out at 8-11. And James Cook, Buffalo's RB3? (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) At 8-12, yeah, exactly. Um, Pacheco at 9-1. Keenan Allen at 9-2. Tyler Algier at 9-3. You have Derek Carr at 9-4. Geno Smith at 9-5. Wow. AJ Dillon up here at 9-6. Then the next rookie off the board would be Josh Downs as the wide receiver four. Um, Michael Meyer, the tight end one from the rookie class, right behind Josh Downs. I think that might be a little over-evaluation on jo- Meyer. Josh Downs has got to be five because uh, Quentin and Addison went before. Oh, right, I forgot Quentin. That's correct. Um, Mike Evans. Devin Ashane from Texas A&M. Mike Williams and Brian Robinson. Now I'll break down these two rounds because the 10th is going to go pretty quick too. Uh, Honestly, like from eight, one where Camara goes, I don't like that. We're in a running, but I need to say like, we're in a running back tier where you're outside of the top 15 running backs in in value. Camara's never going to return much more on the market than where he's at right now. In all honesty, if he plays, there's certainly some production upside but it's not a pick that I love. I do love Miles Sanders all the way back at 810 and would draft him over Alvin Kamara in a dynasty Superflex startup. Miles Sanders performed absolutely phenomenally when given an above 70% opportunity share. And 
obviously I don't like doing splits, but you have to break his opportunity shares down from week to week samples because of how inconsistent they were in Philly from his rookie season onward. He regressed in target share fluctuated in, in rushing opportunity share, but whenever he hit over 70% opportunity share in a game, he had top um, 12 points of that week. So Miles Sanders in Carolina, which is an incredibly shallow depth chart, bringing in a rookie quarterback, he's probably going to see a consistent above 70% opportunity share as the lead back, as really the only workhorse back. Chuba Hubbard can't compete with Sanders for touches more than, you know, a quick change of pace or letting him get some Gatorade on the sidelines. Adam Thielen is the wide receiver one with DJ Chark coming in as well. They're obviously going to try to attack later picks on offense in the draft, but the talent isn't as deep as I think Carolina would like to hope it is um, after moving away their top stars and some first round and future first round capital. It, it's Dude, going that's a really, be, that's a really sexy pick. That's a really yeah. fun pick. It's going to be a very and, and much safety, safety for a rookie show. quarterback, um, just a safety valve, which he, he never, uh, since his rookie season, he was never really given the receiving work, but he could be, if it's just a new guy, that's, uh, Got to have some safety, of course. And I think Deontay Johnson is also a bit undervalued. There's only six wide receivers in NFL history to have over 100 targets and zero touchdowns in a single season. And every single one of those wide receivers scored at least one touchdown the following season. Like positive regression is almost guaranteed for Deontay. He is an absolutely elite target earner with a history of high-end production in his back pocket. I'm, I'm going to make that bet that the regression exceeds his current startup cost every time. Round nine, I think Carr and Gino are arbitrage picks, and I think both of them are excellent picks for this value of like deep QB2 value, and they're going to put up near QB1 um, points per game, like probably low end QB1, high end QB2 is absolutely their floors and ceilings. So yeah, Derek Carr, obviously a little lesser of production than Gino put up, but I think he has a little bit more insulated team value than Gino Gino does right now. The Seahawks could very well attack quarterback in this draft, um, which would give Gino a bit of a shorter leash, but great arbitrage picks. I don't like Pacheco. I don't like AJ Dillon. I don't like Brian Robinson. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. I thought you would kind of agree. Um, Pacheco, honestly, the Chiefs in the rumor mill has been stirring a lot. They just got rid of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Uh, Jarek McKinnon aging and and was entering free agency. Jameer Gibbs is a supercharged Jarek McKinnon and everything they wanted CEH to be. I do not think that the Chiefs pass on him if he slides to 31. I'm so scared of and I wanted Gibbs to go there because of that sexy passing role. I'm terrified that Gibbs goes there. And if he does, I'm going to have none of them because they love pass blocking. Um, That's what Jared I know McKinnon, what you're saying. Do, yeah, Jared absolutely. McKinnon, Jared Jared would have been the number one bench press guy this year because he's a, he's a monster pass blocker. So to put Gibbs in there, I'm terrified. But but I hear yeah. you, and that's that's. I'm also terrified of the the spike in cost that we're going to see. I guarantee you, if oh, Jameer yeah. Gibbs gets drafted by the Chiefs, he's going to be valued ahead of JSN and much closer to. I'm going to have problems. so much JSN if that happens. Yeah, and, and and it will happen if that's the landing spot. But I I don't necessarily agree with you that it's a negative landing spot in that sense. I mean, Jarek McKinnon was the RB one overall for the last six weeks of the season. I think Jameer Gibbs can definitely fall into that range of outcomes, and. I, I did kind of say it as we were going through. I think Michael Meyer, I that's his first round ADP in rookie drafts is a little high for me. This ADP is overall seems a little more palatable, but I don't necessarily love it. I'm also just not a Michael Meyer guy overall. It's just, it's very expensive for a rookie tight end. Like you have to just, you have to embed three years of no production into rookies. Like that play the tight end position. You just look, have to assume look, it. I'm going to jump ahead and look around later. You get Darren Waller a full round and a half later. Give me that dude. Or no, exactly. I'm sorry. And that was one round later, one round, well, half a round later, because as we break it down this final round and then the final sleeper picks, um, it's for me, this last round is kind of like take your pick, but it's Jalen Hyde at 10, one Mac Jones at 10, two Rashad Bateman at 10, three, you have Darren Waller at 10-4, who, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love that selection in a tight end premium. Going to the Giants as the number one wide receiver predicted right now. I, I love that selection. David Montgomery, I don't like that one. <laughs> um, immediately after Waller at 10-5. Zach Evans at 10-6. I would draft Evans over Montgomery. Cole Komet, worried. 
I don't think he's ever going to be it, man. He's put up two top 10 target share seasons and has not finished top 12 in points per game at the tight end position, which so, only needs eight points per game. Like Towards the towards the end of last season, I traded Komet plus a second for Goddard and Komet plus a second for Kittle. Go trade Komet for, plus a second for whoever yeah. you want. Especially if Get especially off, if this is his evaluation. Gabe Davis immediately back behind him um, at the 10-8. James Connor, 10-9, not interested if I can get Tank Bigsby at 10-10. <laughs> Excuse me. David Njoku at 10-11, and then Aaron Rodgers on his last legs at 10-12. I do think Rodgers is a pretty good value here at 10-12 if we're talking. I do too, but it's just, but it's, it, he fits into the bucket of a lot of flyers. Yep. And also a bucket of, if you're not drafting to win now, you probably want to avoid Aaron Rodgers. David Njoku is a great tight end premium value here. Again, would draft him ahead of Cole Komet. Maybe right around that Michael Meyer. But I, that's where I, it's more of the market evaluation that bothers me with Meyer than the prospect. Because I wouldn't trade 110 for David Njoku. But I would prefer to have David Njoku for a lesser cost. <laughs> um, yeah, and and James Conner, approaching that dreaded, Age cliff, no Kyler Murray, a lesser scoring offense. He'll probably see a very high opportunity share to start the season if Kyler needs some time to work back. But that said, that could lead to ultimately some incredible injury for James Conner as he's shown throughout his career. That's where things get a little rough with James. I would much rather tank Bigsby. I would much rather some of the late flyers. I would much rather some wide receivers that are falling. And I'll, I'll name them right now. Some shocking post round. 10 values so guys that you're going to get after round 10 as far Ooh. as sleepers super flex tight end 80 or tight end premium adp is concerned elijah moore at 136 rondale moore at 157 jelani woods at 190 and what in the actual living heck are we doing with ryan Tannehill at 204 in a super flex league like ryan Tannehill is the qb 32 overall yes please I saw him get, you said 204, and I, it confused me for a second because you were doing a startup. I saw him get treated for a 205 in a rookie yesterday. Yeah, I'd probably do that. Yeah, I would. I mean, just give me the quarterback because just because, you know? Yeah. I mean, in super flex leagues, man, to have Ryan Tannehill outside of the top 24 valued quarterbacks in Dynasty is asinine. It, it legitimately makes no sense. Although I do know somebody who is much, much smarter than I am. They are saying get rid of um, all of the Titans QBs. And I'm not sure why. Well, I mean, they're not necessarily players that I'm looking to hold on to or expect to win championships with, but we're literally talking about a guy that's been a perennial producer at the position. He's always, he's completely undervalued. You're right. And and it's not, it's not a sexy pick by any means, but again, it was 204th overall. You're talking close to 20th round value here. Like you're in the 20th round of a dynasty superflex league, and there's a quarterback that actually has QB1 finishes available. So yeah. many QB1 finishes, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. A lot. So, so it's I, funny. I like it's funny. I there's that you got to balance out, like when you play dynasty, you got to balance out the sexiness versus the production. Right. Absolutely. It, it, it's a, it's a teetering tier. And again, Rondale Moore without DeAndre Hopkins um, was putting up 18.7 points per game before he got injured himself. Rondale Moore is one of the greatest freshman prospect breakouts of all time. I'm going to stay attached to that profile until he's no longer into the NFL. I know uh, everything you have my to mind say about that. him because I've been listening to you for three years and you've said it a thousand times how much yeah. you love Rondale. Rondale's special. <laughs> he, he's truly a special football player, and I won't let anybody ever tell me otherwise. One fifty seventh overall, I'm smashing that all the time. I'm taking I'm taking Rondell Moore ahead of Gabe Davis. Like, you know what? So Let's talk about the depth depth chart for a second. Five round later, like take, talk about the depth chart, Matt. Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, end of list. That's it. That's it. And you know what? <laughs> Cooper Adams or whatever his name is can't run for Greg Dorch. <laughs> yeah, right. So what who no, AJ Green's is, retired. Is DeAndre be... Hopkins is rumored to get cut or traded. It's it's currently Marquise Brown and Rondell Moore. That's like quite literally that's the arbitrage. Have fun with it. Yeah. That's gonna do it for us, man. I mean we got through 10 rounds. We talked about some great arbitrary picks, some excellent trades, some trades we've both made live in Dynasty Leagues with these arbitrages. Again, we got from Patrick Mahomes all the way to Aaron Rodgers. 1-1 to 10-12, there are your best and worst picks for a 10-round Dynasty Superflex tight end premium league. We got to give a shout out to the sponsors. You already know, 
It's brotofantasy.com. Please check us out. You can download the app at Google Play, the Apple Store. It's completely free. And the reason that it's free is we have an incredible supporting squad at patreon.com slash brotofantasy. Please consider donating for as little as $3 a month. It gets you so many incredible extras in the fantasy football industry. You get access to the Discord, which is one of the best Discords I've ever encountered, let alone just fantasy, just the greatest people of all time, man. We're always talking betting there sharing picks, winning a bunch of money. Cass's DFS optimizer comes with the Patreon and through the Discord. You have access to me and the Brodo Bros to help you audit your leagues and audit your teams and help you make all the decisions that you need to win your championships. There's incredible um, joined leagues with everybody from the Discords, like Beat the Bros and, uh, you know, combined dynasty leagues, the all super flex league where every position can be any position. Um yeah, and, and we have excellent prizes, obviously, both monetary and otherwise. So please consider heading over to the patreon.com slash Fantasy. As little as three bucks a month gets you so much stuff. Um, download the app. You can find me at PsychWardFF on Twitter. You can find him at Madjester, at FF Madjester. Almost messed up your hand, brother. I'm sorry. Me too, buddy. At FF Madjester. <laughs> my boy, my love. Um, the boys, obviously, the whole crew at Broto Fantasy, at FF by Broto at Broto FF Tim, at Broto FF Jay, at Broto FF Mike, at Broto FF Casanova. We got a whole army of incredible content producers. Please consider giving us a follow. Like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications because we're coming at you with all the hotness. Much love, much respect. You already know.